Hey, welcome to The Link. The Link is a podcast created to build community through conversation. We focus on the stories of creatives, business owners, community leaders, and all-around interesting people from the community of Lincoln, Nebraska. We welcome you to come learn about your neighbors as we have a conversation with them. All right, well, welcome, guys. This is The Link Podcast, sponsored by Carlson Projects. My name is Andy Morrison. And I'm Stefan Carlson. Today we have on the show Clinton Collins, the owner of Home and Closet and co-owner of Platt Interiors. And uh, he's a really passionate, curious guy. And it's today we talk about like what Home and Closet is, what it's becoming, and just kind of like every avenue that like he has gone down to make Home and Closet what it is. And it's, I think, a really interesting story. And we touch on some pretty interesting things that I didn't know about, about the city of Lincoln. City of Lincoln and just just business in general. I feel like he has a, a unique perspective um, from becoming a, a lawyer and working at a cabinet shop at night to living in San Diego in South America to opening a furniture store in Lincoln, Lincoln Nebraska. Nebraska. So if you want to hear the story, keep listening. The link, the link, the link, the link podcast. <laughs> cool. Well, welcome to the link podcast. I'm Stefan Carlson. I'm Andy Morrison. And I'm Clinton Collins. Yeah. So we are here with Clint Collins today to talk about all things home and closet. Uh, Lincoln business, um, Ashland business, move to moving, being online, all sorts of things. So kind of give me a background, like a history of where kind of, how did you get to Lincoln? Did you grow up in Lincoln? Give me kind of a background of like how you got here and what you're doing. So I, I was born in Columbus, Nebraska, and my parents moved here, I think when I was two. And, uh, both both of them are from that area from you know columbus my mom's a czech from they call it the bohemian the bohemian mm-hmm. alps but uh yep right in that area howls and all david city and all that um so i grew up here i was i went to elementary school and junior high and high school here um and i've called this has been my home base i did travel and move away for about a decade but I came back here um, and I love it. It's a good place. You know, I, I enjoy living in Nebraska. I didn't always, and I sort of came back and I really appreciated it even more. Where'd you um, go for 10 years? I went to, so I was in, I went to school in Australia for a couple of years. And then I went to law school in San Diego. And then I was in South America for a bit and um, that's most all of it. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. just like, man, I sh- should go back to Lincoln. Yeah. I mean, it's a good home base. It for really, sure. it, it is for a lot of reasons. I mean, um, you know, I think, I think it's an excellent place and yeah, I just, you know, it's where I grew up. It's what I'm familiar with. I mean, I, I do have friends all, in a lot of places, but you know, some of my best friends were here. My family's obviously here and my son, you know, my son's here, which was the, you know, is the primary thing in my life. But yeah. Um, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good town. I like Lincoln. I like Nebraska. So, so what, where like the transition go? Cause you obviously went 
to law school. And then did you come back and have like a, a law job in Lincoln? <clears throat> or did. like how did it like transition from lawyer to opening a vintage store? Yes, I get, I get that <laughs> question a lot. I, you know, it's quite frequent. And, um, you know, I so I was kind of like in my family, we do a lot of things, whether it's like renovation or but there's a lot of like there's a real, uh, you know, uh, a vein of um, craftsmen in my in my, you know, in my family. And so it was weird. You know, I went to law school and I, and I was very I was interested in that. But then, like, you know, it wasn't really what I loved. I worked in immigration law for years um and then i did some criminal defense work and some other stuff when i came back and i really enjoyed i don't know what it is like even as a kid as a child i wanted to be an architect but like so design has always had an important part of my life like growing up like i was interested in other things but design's kind of always been there and definitely if you asked me when i was like 12 what i wanted to be i would have said architect hmm. i never would have said lawyer um <clears throat> so and then I just moved back here and I guess kind of what the genesis for home and closet was I was I actually started out online I had no physical presence and we were I was doing like like a lot of vintage clothes and this is about like 10 years ago and uh and so and that was really and I was doing that was going really well and I was selling a ton of stuff and I and I got to the point where I couldn't have my friends helping me anymore because I didn't want like and like because I was running out of friends to help, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so then <laughs> you like sort of scale up. Yeah. And so it's like I'm out of friends. Now I got to pay people and I don't want strange people off of Craigslist at my house. You know what yep. I mean? Like so I was driving down 33rd Street right, right on 33rd and B and there was a storefront and my brother was a bike mechanic for years across the street at a shop that was called Bike Peddlers. It was there forever. And uh, um, <clears throat> I saw that storefront and it was like the right size. And so I was like, let's do this, you know. And so I rented the space and we were there for five years. And that was cool because we could expand. Yeah. Because it was like a strip mall. And as the businesses next to me would like move or go out of business, I would grab their space. And we went from like, I think originally it was about, it was under 800 square foot to we were up to like, 2600 square feet at the end yeah i didn't realize that mm -hmm. how how big that spot was it, yeah it was big and we it was just it was a great layout um it was an older building it needed some work and then eventually when we moved to prescott um where we've been the last two years um that was just an upgrade from that as well you what know? what uh when you first moved into that spot on 33rd was it was it like yes i'm doing retail or were you like i just need to spot to have my stuff you know that's interesting so when i set it up at first i set it up so that <clears throat> i really didn't believe in brick and mortar at first i like i was kind of adverse to it but like i like i said i needed to get the physical like business out of my house mm -hmm. and so at first i set it up so that it didn't matter if we sold we divvied the space in half and so you're probably talking like 500 square foot of actual showroom space yeah and I was like, it doesn't matter if it's we sell anything in the store. Online is the engine that that pays the rent and mm -hmm. pays everyone and pays taxes and all of that. But then, like, I so I soon realized that Lincoln and I had lived around a lot of places, so I realized that like Lincoln needed this. That like this was something that Lincoln didn't have, and they needed it. And this is kind of like really instagram was just starting about 10 you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's like 10 years ago it was about yep. eight seven years ago actually but 
at this point. But, um, you know, in all that was starting and there just wasn't any retail that Lincoln didn't have that. Like in San Diego, there were really cool stores with like neat stuff mm-hmm. and like everything here was like Target. And like super un- like unique stuff yes. that you couldn't buy at a yes. big box store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things with, pers- you know, like, like a cool vintage chair, a cool vintage sofa. And so <clears throat> because I was doing, we were doing a lot of vintage clothing, we'd run into a lot of that stuff. And so I realized like, oh, this is a good get for Lincoln as well. And it, and, and I think it, it you know, it, it definitely took root, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, it yeah. It definitely grew. But it, there wasn't any big design necessarily. I mean, we like, we use Instagram a lot. I wasn't even going to have an Instagram. I remember I was like, I don't think we really need that. Do we really need that? It's kind of, but then like, that's a huge thing for us now. What was the point where you were like, where it grew past like your original ambition? Was there like a a point where you were like, I'm just going to sell random stuff and just have fun with it. And then it was like all of a sudden, oh, like I have a 2000 square foot store or was it like calculated planned out like hey i'm gonna step up to this and this is gonna change to this like we no i'm very like so i approached it very in a very calculated fashion i would say i mean i definitely had a thing that was going on with with because uh clothing is very shippable it's easy you just throw an envelope and send it and ship we ship stuff to ireland i mean we were selling i think one year we did like i we shipped like it was crazy we shipped on average 30 items a day every day (laughs) literally every day 30 items for like a whole year so whatever 30 times 365 is i forget whatever Mm -hmm. that number is yeah a lot thousands of items yes and we were on the u.s postal service the big route so like Mm -hmm. we went down to the post office and got on where the big van would pick up because the mail guy hated me (laughs) And like, <laughs> he did, man. He oh man, I every, he would grimace every time he saw me. And uh, so we got on the big where the guy would come with the van, and we got special USPS like the carts, the big like they look uh-huh. like uh, laundromat carts, but they're huge. And we had two of those even, and we'd fill them up. I mean, it was insane. But then you know the interesting thing happened is is that as the storefront took, it just sort of happened organically. I wouldn't say I tried to push it or anything mm-hmm. like that, but we started to see the value there and get connected locally. And like, like I said, like Facebook was, I think much more of a player for us back then. And that was really getting us our branding out and it was free. There was no algorithm at the time. Like, I mean, yeah. you remember that? It was like mm-hmm. first in time type thing. Yes. Like that seems like ancient history. And those were the days. You, you, pull, you strategically time it. So it's like when all everybody gets off work that you, like in yeah, front well, of somebody yeah. and, yep. and now it's all algorithmic. I mean, yep. any exposure you get as far as customers. Yep. And so that was kind of neat to see it genuine things genuinely, like sort of people get excited about things. Um, but, and then it just sort of turned, you know, and then it was like, well, this is more fun. This is more interesting. It's definitely going to pay the rent. So let's do this. And this is what I, and it kind of was like my original vision anyway. Like it was mm-hmm. kind of like, I'm much more interested in this to begin with. And we can still do the other thing. But let's let's grow this as, mm-hmm. aspect of it, and then yeah. it, that took over. Yeah, I mean, essentially, like I mean, we still did clothing even until now. We're moving out of Prescott, but we d- we still did clothing up. I mean, even now, a tiny bit, you know. And I definitely yeah. do vintage leather bags and stuff like that. And what like where did like the upholstery come from? Did was that like something that you did in a past life or like you just kind of started to teach yourself or like where did that come from because i feel like that is honestly one of the most unique things about it 
because not very many people do upholstery for one and for two hardly anybody does it that actually has some sort of style i feel like there's a lot of people that would maybe want to recover a chair or something but they would want to do it in old terrible kind of grandma fabric, fabric is what yeah. you know, grandpa fabric yeah but I mean, so so with that, so I, when I, you know, even when I was in college, um, I was working in a lot of cabinet shops. Like I said, I was okay. kind of weird. I like had a job at a law firm and then also a job at a cabinet shop. And uh, so for me, you know, we, we were doing the furniture and stuff and we would do repair stuff. But then like, I realized like there's no one doing upholstery, like mm -hmm. nobody, like there's like, like three people maybe in the state or something that are doing it on any sort of like you know commercial level, level yeah. yeah in the state yeah <clears throat> i mean there's probably more than that but okay. it's very like, few it's yeah, not it's I way less than i you only think. know of maybe one other place there's a pecus in town they do a yeah. great job they're the old that's the, the you know they're the blue blue you know they've been doing it forever mm -hmm. yeah the only other person who does upholstery is my neighbor but it's just like <laughs> out of his garage like if you bring a chair over he might be able to fix it and that's yeah. all i ever and knew he probably doesn't like advertise that he does it no yeah so so with that we just i just and i got into i got a bunch of scrap pendleton wool i bought from a guy and i was like i we i could use this so it all kind of meshed because i kind of got known for that pendleton thing which I'll, I'll put any material on the uh the chair that's not a big deal but um uh so it just kind of grew out of that like it was like there was all these great pieces and like you know you fix a couple and you start doing upholstery and it's like a very difficult art. It's like not something that's easy. So like upholstery is like, it's, it, you know, it's like a, like, okay, like if you're a lawyer and you do a divorce case, right? Mm -hmm. There's like a thousand different types of divorce cases. There's like, maybe they have children, maybe they don't, maybe they've been married for 50 years, maybe they've been married for a month. You know what yeah. I mean? Chairs are the same way. So like every <laughs> chairs are chair. like divorces. <laughs> I found the title for the podcast. <laughs> chairs are like divorces. <laughs> But so, you know, each chair is different. So I, you know, I get people and they want like bids on stuff and it's like, they don't understand how much different a chair is. Like sometimes Absolutely. you're doing buttons, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're doing double welt. Sometimes you're just, you know, not doing any welt at all. Sometimes you can't save them. Sometimes you can, different kinds of springs. So it's like anything else. If you break it down into its elements and learn all of the elements, then you can put it together and become a professional at it mm -hmm. basically. I keep hitting this microphone <laughs> unintentionally. But just just roll right. with it. All right. Should we move it up, or you, or you think it's fine? It's, it's okay. All right. Is it loud Sounds when good. I hit that thing? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> so, no uh, sorry. Um, so you know, I, I just, I was fascinated with it. I always was. It's and upholstery to me always was kind of like some kind of secret science like i was like what is how do you even get started i absolutely agree it's like yeah. sorcery or something mm -hmm. it's like i mean even like you know there's a lot of people who deal with like woodworkers and you know guys who work with stone and it's just it's just a totally different deal yeah and it's it's just its own thing and i think that there's a lot of art to it too because there's like tension and how the fabric moves and you have to anticipate all these things yep so i really i fell in love with that like that aspect of it the so what i'm kind of like catching is like you enjoy a challenge oh well yeah certainly yes because <laughs> i i feel like anybody that is like i just want to put this together and walk away from it would not do upholstery because you have to think like nine steps ahead of like how this is going to look ultimately once i 
put this around this or fold this over that or oh yeah i mean especially yes when you're when you're setting the piece up and even how the frame is and like yeah it's it's a neat you know paint like guys who paint like on a, at a real high level it's the same kind of thing mm -hmm. like prepping the i you know the that kind of thing they have to prep you know whatever they're painting and there's a lot that goes into the prep that makes and the paint's just the end thing upholstery is a little different but there is that like layered procedure yep where you have to like set it up and spring tension and all of that and if you don't do the things in the beginning then you put that final piece on and it's like oh this doesn't look very good yeah and that's going to be very apparent to everyone how how uh how many pieces were like not tear it back apart like how many times have you had to tear something back apart I mean, when, less you, so when you first now, when you first I, started your yeah when you when I first started it's kind of rough it's also kind of rough I mean it's definitely a lot of work it's a lot of physical labor as well you got to rip the pieces down it's a lot of pulling you know staples and tacks well I just pulled the stupid little nails mm -hmm. out of that uh, that rocker that rocker uh -huh. that you're doing for us and I was just like they just go everywhere. Yeah, I mean, when they're shooting them on, with, you know, they're not really like, and thinking man, about anyone pulling I, them. All of a sudden, I was like walking up the stairs and I was like, what is in my shoe? And I turned over my shoe and I had two of those stuck in my shoe. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but I mean, it's, I enjoy it, you know, it's fun and it's interesting. It is endlessly challenging. I could do it the rest of my life and still be learning. For sure. I mean, there's just so many. It's, and, and you know, it's not something that can be replicated either. Like, for example, like, uh, it's not a, like you're always going to need that. If you want to reupholster a chair, a machine's never going to be able to do that. Like yep. a real, like they might be able to produce the chair initially, mm -hmm. but not go in and like rebuild a chair. Yep. I mean, that's just a totally. That's what I say about remodeling. That's thing. what I say about remodeling all the time. It's like, everybody's yes. like, aren't you worried about like robots stealing your job? I'm like, until they can solve problems. Yes. Like, okay, this wall is going to do this when I open it up or this plumbing pipe is going through here. Like I don't have really anything to, to worry about. No, they would have to really be human. I yes. mean, like they, yeah. Yeah. That, and that's a fascinating thing too I, with automation, but yeah, it's, it's an art form, you know, and I, I, Jocelyn just had an exhibit. I don't know if it's still up, but the, it was on the his, the art of the chair. And it was like, hmm. so they had all these merit, this huge collection, private collection of all these like sort of iconic chairs. It's starting from like, and it was American stuff. So it was started in like, you know, 1700s. But then it like went through the years of like all these different styles of chairs that like they had produced. It was kind of neat actually. It was a big, huge exhibit. You had to like pay extra to get in and everything. Huh, I didn't know that. Wow. I should yeah. have gone to that. I, they might still have it up. They had it running for a while, but I don't know if they do, but it, it, was, really it was neat to see. Yeah, I have photos if you want to see later. But yeah, it was kind. Of, it was just fascinating because they were they were objects of art. You know how they design them. Chairs are actually the most difficult piece of furniture to design hmm. because they have to carry all the body of your weight, and they're usually very slender. Mm -hmm. And like they have, they do all these like functions. You move them around a lot, and so they're really difficult. To very make. like a little bit more engineering than you think would go go into them. Oh, for yeah, chairs, weight distribution, all of that. Yeah, it's a huge <laughs> deal. So started doing upholstery kind of like as a necessity. Yes. And then it kind of changed into like a passion. Mm-hmm. Like where, like at what point were you like, yes, this is like something that I could do for the rest of my life? I mean, I, I just, it, I grew into it, but I, I took a class as well. And I, you know, like one class and then... I, I just got really into it and then I like there's like a sewing machine and you get your really I mean I don't know how cool a sewing machine is but like I'm like that's the coolest sewing machine you know and like 
but it's like you can do all these things and then you get into like working with leather and upholstering and leather and that's pretty neat stuff and high-end mm-hmm. stuff so you get into some really cool like you get into some neat stuff so it just meshed real well with what i was doing like what was happening in my life and the pieces that i was seeing mm-hmm. and then it was like added that value to my business and then i started teaching classes so now i've taught classes for two and three years almost yeah and i bet i've taught 300 400 people that's amazing that's like super cool to me like we always talk about like training the next generation of craftsmen Uh and just like the impact that just those 300 people will have like on the industry of just even just upholstery is just really really cool we had duncan come and visit and they were looking for upholsters interesting yeah so duncan came and visited i got a bunch of free pens and stuff sweet but, uh, nice know, free right? pens they're, and they're really <laughs> nice on. people well and there's an interesting tie-in because I, so because of upholstery i do bags as well so then mm-hmm. i got i actually was making a pillowcase or I was, I was making a pillow sham and i was like that would be a really cool bag and then i just started making bags but then and then i got like all into the leather working thing which is its own like beast world yes yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's like a separate endless world mm-hmm. it's like there's upholstery which is endless and then there's leather working which is endless so i kind of meshed the two mm-hmm. and uh but i i had got down at the eco store which isn't open anymore i know it's super sad i know that was a good one it was a crazy place there was cool stuff in there but uh they had a bunch of old seats that duncan had donated and i bought all of it this leather this jet leather it was because they would they like go in and rip the interior mm-hmm. out of the jet yep and then redo it huh and the guys get crazy it's like ostrich or like <laughs> exotic stuff you know, i don't know gnarly stuff but this was just regular leather but uh they had a bunch of leather and then i made a bunch of bags out of them and actually a lot of the people associated with duncan came in and bought the bags that i made that's so it was cool. kind of fun yeah yeah it was kind of neat like tying it back into uh-huh and duncan's you know such an iconic you know nebraska yep brand mm-hmm. as well obviously so. yep what what do you think so you're you're at 33rd and b street you're there for how many years five years five years man that's crazy i thought it was like two that's wild so that was a there beautiful for, storefront though by the way just how open it there really it was it was very it was good for photography i yeah. mean man it was it was we had a lot of light because we had that big huge westerly mm-hmm. facing wall mm-hmm. it was all glass yeah it was weird because usually stores are laid out narrow and long and it's dark in the back almost exclusively yeah but that one was like the just pitch so the other way bright. so it was going down the side of it mm-hmm. which was unique to that space i still drive by it i'm like man that's a beautiful building uh-huh. like, it's a cool it was a cool just a lot of glass so facing glass. the proper way yeah uh-huh. it's a good and that's that's kind of what like a lot of times what i think about like now that i've started doing more and more like remodeling stuff uh-huh. i'm like i always have to work with the canvas i've been given but i'm like man if i were to build a house like I would want to position it just perfectly uh-huh. so that it gets the most most light it can possibly get. But so there for five years, and then like how the how the transition to College View happened was it just like so they so we were there for five years and it was you know I I love that neighborhood but it didn't it did it never really. Like we didn't have any, we had Sips and Subs is there a great restaurant, little, little spot right there on the mm-hmm. corner, but we didn't have like anything big move in. And yeah. so, and, and then the owners of the new building approached me and they said, you know, we've got this building. And I was like, okay, great, let's do it. And so then we moved to Prescott, which is like 
super cool. I mean, Prescott's a really good little hood. I mean, that's oh, yeah. a, what a great little street and what a great little small business street. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, of course, yes. And it was, and when they showed it to me, it was like super rundown and like, <laughs> like literally there was stuff dripping from the ceiling and there were holes in the floor. Yep. And I was like, but I saw the vision. I saw what they had seen, they saw. And uh, we, you know, they it renovated it and it's gorgeous. It's still gorgeous. Um, we, we were there, we've been there two years. So we did two years and then we were moving now. But uh, yeah, that's a great spot too. And they, they just approached us. It's great, you know, Goldenrod, Paper Kite, you know, the mills there. There's a ton of businesses. I mean, I can't even think of them all. Patino, Select Style small uh lincoln businesses and mm -hmm. i think it's the best small business hub in the city mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean downtown's nice i'm in the haymarket but that hub right there i mean it's that's well there isn't good. one there isn't one like <clears throat> what how i guess what would you call it there isn't one chain store in there mm -mm. like there isn't one no, and it's blocks of small business yeah. yeah it's like i mean it's not just prescott right it's like that I whole like quarter Cooper mile or, or whatever. There's that Cooper Street. What were yep. you saying? I just that whole quarter mile is just like small business between like is. Pioneers like, yeah. and Prescott. It's just like I never actually counted. I always wanted to count though, because I bet there's like fifty. Because if you go down, you know, on Forty Eighth Street North, there's for two or three more blocks. It's just all small business. Yep. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I mean, I don't know where you have a. Uh, uh, you know, group uh, as large as that of small mm -hmm. businesses else in the city. I mean, you tell me. Yeah, I mean, that you got Havelock a little bit, but, yeah, but not as vibrant. But that no, was... it's not not near as vibrant. Yeah, and not near as much like, especially once it seemed like once the farmers market even came too. And then the farmers market came two months after we did, and we were like, yes. And it was just like yes, it was nice because we've been amazing, here. Yeah, we've been at this house for four years, five years something like that mm -hmm. and it was like conroy's was good we'd go yeah. and get donuts there uh -huh. and we just loved walking there then it was like goldenrod opened yes. and it's like now oh. it just turned into like yep we're gonna walk our dog down there and just like go hang out and yes. then go to the farmer's market yes. and walk around you know it's just like explore basically uh-huh and i think a, f a few of the right people moved in at the right time I think it's just like one of those things where it just sort of like, that's really it. You know, you had a lot of the businesses that were, that were like similar, but different, you know, mm -hmm. similar, yeah. like similar, like intention. I felt Sim like, yeah, similar vibe. I would say vibe, but not even similar vibe, like similar, like, I don't know what, what, how they're similar, but like they're similarly interesting. There you mm -hmm. go. That's a good way to, yeah, put it. I would, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, What's kind of your thoughts on, so you're making a transition out of kind of like a storefront, like what's kind of your thoughts on Lincoln as a business area and like where do you see kind of Lincoln businesses kind of growing or morphing or changing or? I mean, it you know, it, that obviously depends on like what you're defining as business. I mean, there's counseling centers or something, you know, or like chiropractic places. Yep. I think if, if you're talking retail, I mean, that's a whole separate discussion, but uh, which I would love to have if you want to talk about it. Let's talk about retail. Well, well I'll, I'll start with the business. <laughs> I'll start with the, I'll get, before I get into that, I'll talk to you. He's warning you, it's yeah, very, cool. very deep. Uh, yep. There's a lot to it. <laughs> we're dipping our toe in right now, yeah. and then we're going to dive deep later. 
but uh, but I would say as far as Lincoln business, I mean Lincoln is a good you know a good place to have a business. There's a university here. There's you know obviously with the state capital that helps too a little bit you know, and there's a lot of people here who want to support small businesses. Mm-hmm. I think we need to continue to grow awareness of how important that support is because I don't think people. I think people it. And I do it too. Everyone does it. I mean, no one's really exempt from it. Like, but we all sort of are like, yes, we want small business to win, but then we still go to, yeah. Like, if there's two gas stations, one's locally owned and one's just you know a mm-hmm. ch- national chain, we go to the national chain one. I don't know why. Yep. And uh, so it, you have to make that choice to go to the smaller one. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think we have to continue to raise awareness about that. But that being said. Lincoln's a great town. I think a lot of the issues with Lincoln I know of is, is the parking restrictions that the city enforces on businesses. And those really affect businesses hard because if you want to use buy an old building or rent an old building, mm-hmm. put a cafe in there, you better have. And they just recently kind of eased that up. Mm-hmm. But that's been a huge issue, especially because Lincoln geographically is so like there's not really the small business districts that you have in Omaha. Like they have like Benson. Yeah. And like, I mean, they have like big, like Elkhorn. Dundee. I mean, Dundee, yes, exactly. And I mean, there's like 10 of them, really. And uh, Lincoln didn't grow that way. I mean, there's a couple of little towns that we ate up, basically, like Havelock. Yep. Dude, Havelock could be so cool. It could be. I mean, there might be some other issues with Havelock, too. But I know that like with, as far as my understanding is, is that, is is that that the parking issue is definitely a thing i know that i ran into that issue a couple well times. i think i think lincoln if there is any so i i feel like it's kind of like a, a two-sided sword like it's great because it doesn't seem like they planned very well for growth like it seems like it yeah, just it like a year all, to get through all <laughs> it seems like all of a sudden 48th street is like 25 it, it seems like all of a sudden it just like overtook everything and now it just feels like a giant small town so that's like a bad thing but it's also a great thing because it's like you feel even if you drive like you said straight through on 48th street now i'm hitting things even if you drive straight through on 48th street like you still feel like you're in town the whole time like you still feel like you're in a neighborhood the yeah whole there's time. a continuity to it for sure i think with the parking i was more referring to if you start a new business they they require you to have so much parking. so many parking spaces yep. and if you're in an older part of town which are the cool part of town just according to me yes mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't exist it doesn't yeah there's no parking because there was i mean when they built those places there weren't any cars i mean because those buildings are all 100 years old i mean maybe there were a couple cars but they didn't have like massive parking requirements. yeah they had model t's not yeah not 1950s right. pulled your horse up to the <laughs> yeah whatever you call it and tire up yeah exactly you just need it you know but so they they have a lot of like kind of stringent parking requirements and so if you try to move a small business especially restaurants and stuff Mm -hmm. because a a tapas joint in prescott would just be oh yeah amazing i mean it'd be amazing a little tapas joint with like a like you know wine and stuff that would that place would Mm -hmm. crush it but i they can't you can't get anything in there because there's no parking it's Mm -hmm. like a huge issue so they have to like downtown you can open up a restaurant or a store and you don't have to conform to parking requirements i believe because it's a zoned area Mm. and downtown is the only place that really benefits from that there might be one or two others but like Hmm. and i maybe that has to do with metered parking or something 
But like that was the cool thing about downtown is you don't have to meet the peak parking requirements because it's all considered like part of it. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that's the thing. So with with Prescott and stuff, it's tough to do some things because okay. of city parking requirements for the business. Owners. I didn't realize that. <laughs> but yeah. you th- I wonder if they put meters there if they would like. I, open see, it I up. always thought they should put if they could do that. Like I always thought that's what they should. I thought. Personally, I thought the solution was create these designated business districts within Lincoln mm-hmm. that allow people to have more flexibility. Because it, with with the parking, you end up requiring people to have these vast sums of money tied up in these businesses, mm-hmm. which maybe a smaller entrepreneur isn't going to take yep. that kind of financial mm-hmm. risk. I mean, you have to like get the building and a parking lot. So yes, get, you know, on-site parking within so many feet of your business. Yep, that's like a little too expensive for most people. I think. Yeah, and, and it's the, it's also like man, I just figured out how I'm going to make my business work. Now I got to figure out how to make this parking lot work too. (laughs) (laughs) So they, I I mean, it seems odd that they don't come up with some sort of like work around or exemption. That's all like city stuff Mm because that's all regulated on the city level. But I, and I'm not, you know, I don't know what the, there's probably some other reasons they say that, but I mean, that's just what I, I've seen in my own way. As far as Lincoln, that's one thing that makes it difficult, but it's, but there's like obviously a lot of ways to probably to get around that, like go downtown or whatever, you know, yeah. if you're a business owner. Yeah. What a, so that's the, that's the business side of it. What's the retail side of it? What do you, what are you kind of seeing for retail businesses as far as like growth and like, I guess how to survive or how to, how to thrive or like, what's your kind of your thoughts on it? Your take on the future and what it, so I think, yeah, I think about this a lot, <laughs> but so I think with, so small, it's, so there's big retail and there's small retail. And, um, I think that if, if you're talking about small retail, which is, you know, my primary concern, mm-hmm. it's really tough. It's, it's, it's always been tough, but now you face additional obstacles. Um, you know, obviously online is, is a part of that, you know, it's just, it's just easier you know, I think as a, the consumers look at it, like, why would I go into your store when I can go on the internet and buy anything, mm-hmm. right? I think the only advantage you have really is, is like they can see it in person, which that's still valid. See so, it and measure it. They can yeah. expedite the driving yeah. on 48th street for 25 miles an hour. Yes. Yeah. They don't have yeah. to do that. But I mean, so that's the thing. So if you're a small business, I think, and I, I think this is kind of like what a lot of people say is, is it's, you have to provide an experience as well. Mm-hmm. So like you, you, you sell your goods or your products or your services or whatever, but then you provide an experience that they're not going to get online. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something where you can be online. Cause like, you know, and that's like, whatever, like you have a unique look or a unique environment. And that's what I try to create with you yep. know, home and closet was this like really unique sort of like people would walk in and I would get like, man, this place is like somewhere out of L it's like they would always think like California or East coast mm-hmm. or something. I mean, they would always be really blown away. Even people from out of town. Mm-hmm. Did you purposely kind of do that? I mean, it's kind of home and closets really just like, or was it just like an outflow of just who you are? It kind of was an outflow of who, you know, I had a friend and she said to me once, she was like, it's just like your brain. Like it's just like, <laughs> like the interior of home. I mean, it's just all stuff that I like. And I just spent a lot of years, you know, as we were, when we were kids, my mom read like design magazines. Mm-hmm. So we'd have like all of them, you know, like El Decor, whatever, all those. And so we grew up kind of on these design magazines 
and these vignettes that I then produced, you mm -hmm. know? So I don't know if it was subconsciously coming back to me or whatever. Yeah, it was just flowing out of you. Yeah, and it was, it was just kind of like what I like. I mean, a lot of home and closet stuff is just stuff that I like or stuff that I, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of put together an aesthetic there that I guess was, you know, how I felt things should look. Mm-hmm. I that have, makes sense. Were there any, I'm sure there are, but I think about like, I, I've bought and sold stuff forever. That's just kind of who I am. But I think of like, there's like certain pieces or things that I've bought. I'm like, I really hope that somebody like doesn't buy this, mm -hmm. but then they end up buying it. Is there any like pieces that you like automatically think in your head? You're like, dang it. I wish I wouldn't have sold that. You know, actually, so I think that one thing that helped me is I'm like not attached to stuff. I'm pretty lucky uh -huh. about that. Okay. So like, I don't really like, I mean, it all sort of comes and goes and like, I never really developed any. The only thing actually I ever get like into really is like art. Like there, like hmm. I do have like, like I've got uh, Stuart Gare. He's a, a, a ceramic artist, went, did his MFA at UNL. And he's like, he was at Harvard for a bit. And I think he's doing something in Montana. Or I don't know where he's at right now. Very talented guy. And so he, I have a couple pieces by him and I sort of hold on to those or like, mm -hmm. My friend Sean is an artist and I have a painting by him. So like, it's weird because the pieces that I hold on to are really just the art. I mean, I would say that I've come into contact the, with the artist through owning the store. Do you think it's like, do you think, do you think it's the actual art? I'm sure it's the actual art, but do you think it's like that connection that reminds you or like it kind of like grounds that piece to you? I mean, I think like, like, or Hannah, Hannah Demma here in town, she does, she's a wonderful artist. She's doing her MFA now at UNL, University of Nebraska too. And like, it's like, it's all of the things. And that's why mm -hmm. it connects to me. It's cause it's like, I appreciate the aesthetic value of the piece. Mm -hmm. Like it's really well done or like the proportions are good or whatever. Um, but then also I know the artist as well. So it's kind of on two different levels, you yeah. know, like they're a friend of mine. So it's neat to have a piece that they did that I also think is really, you know, well done. Yeah, that's that's always interesting because I like if I spend time with something, I get attached to it, but mm -hmm. I can always sell it. Mm -hmm. But then I look back and I'm like, dang it. I no, wish I I've had sold some that. cool stuff that I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it depends. You know, it just it, it I definitely have had some neat stuff or some one off stuff that you're like, man, that was cool. Mm -hmm. And then you just never see it again ever. Yep. Especially with older, you know, vintage stuff. Yeah. Like these like these bucket uh -huh. chairs. Yes. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, but, man, I mean, I've seen so many chairs and dressers and like. Yep. So it's all sort of like turned into like and I like seeing in other people's homes. We get pictures of stuff that people post in their homes a lot. And that's really cool. Cause like they'll have great interior and then they'll purchase some chairs from us and they'll like send us a photo or post a photo on Instagram and tag us or whatever. And, uh, and it's just neat to see that thing living in their environment. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of dig that as well. What do you think? Like, like looking back at like just the flow of how things have grown and changed and whatever, what do you think? what do you, what surprised you the most and then what like looking back do you think was the kind of the guiding truths to what made it what it was about the success of the brick and mortar of brick and mortar home and closet just just in general or being in business uh, yeah just being in business okay wait what was the first part of that question oh man i gotta remember 
Um, it was like, what surprised me? Yeah, like, what like, surprised you the most about, like, when you started it, when, like, got into it, and now you're looking back, and you're like, man, I really did not think it would go this way. And then, like, what was kind of, like, guiding principles of what you... Oh, right. Now like, you look back, and you're it, like, this is why it worked. Well, the guiding principles are way more boring, so I'll start with that. But, like... <laughs> well, I meant, like, so that saved the good stuff for later. Yeah, right? for sure. But, uh, like hard work definitely like you just got to be the person that gets up early in the morning and like that's how you like do it like anything it doesn't matter what it is you just gotta like try and like mm -hmm. that's a thing too like try consistency as well which i think was one of our strengths that i i believe that that helped us to get where we were and where we are um you know every day you gotta like wake up and do it every day like rain or shine whatever you know it's just that's like working out or anything else if you, you know? didn't even if you don't feel like it yeah i mean definitely and like but like it's it's like that consistency not only consistency of doing it but doing it well and like that was always a real important thing for me was like let's do it but let's do it well and let's do it well every time and let's mm -hmm. do it when we're supposed to do it and that yeah. so that really helped i think you know and those are just old school types of things you know that they yeah. say um, what surprised me? Definitely social media. I mean, I was not like really super into that at first. And like that has been really helpful. And for, I don't know how we, like we do okay on it. We have like a lot of followers and stuff on Facebook and whatever and the Instagram. But like, it's like, I never expected that to be like the thing it is. Never in a million years. Mm. That was really kind of interesting. Yeah just kind of did it just blow up organically or did you like yeah at the did beginning you, it did did you kind of like you're like okay this like i think about like what we'd try and do is like okay this does really well and this sells really well so how do we find more of that to kind of grow our audience or you were you just kind of like let's put it all out there and see what see what happens or was there like a strategic thought behind it i think it was more of like uh like what i was doing people were into and mm -hmm. like and like because of that that worked like i don't it wasn't i definitely didn't like uh i mean we definitely like were smart about it but like all, at the same time like we weren't like chasing the algorithm type thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't take a selfie on a cliff because everybody else took a selfie <laughs> on the cliff and got like, you know, yeah, sure. 5,000 yep. likes or something. <clears throat> so it was more like I was just doing what I do and that was getting like, you know, for whatever reason on social media, it was like, it was becoming like, people were just into it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, but I think that, that, you know, and then this is fascinating. I think that what we try to do is tell a story. And I think that that's the, I think that that's really what it's about. And I think that's what I still do. Mm -hmm. And because um, people are into stories, like you remember uh, people from New York or what's that? The, Humans from New York. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Like that thing was like captivating, and it was like kind of. A, I mean, I remember that was like. I don't know if it's still. I think it's still a thing. I think so. But yeah. like, it was like the sort of shots of people, and be like, would like they wouldn't include their heads in the frame, mm -hmm. and it'd be like some you know long story about their lives. Like I don't know. Sometimes it was really good story. Sometimes it was like some terrible thing that happened to them. You yeah. Know? Or they were like terrible people or something. Either way, just like super people. interesting to like learn. Yes. So, because it was a story. So, people were sort of captivated by these stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what's going to be the new story today? Mm -hmm. And so, and relating that to your own life. And I think that there's a lot of that. So, like, mm -hmm. I think that that's what we did was, is we would, you know, 
we would source these vintage pieces that like people could relate to. And they're like, I love that chair too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, cause it was a great chair. And so like, that's sort of what happened, you know? And it was accessible and it was under, it was easy. It was like, it was just very accessible to consumer. And that's what I still try to do. And as we continue to grow, I'll that's always been like, it's both, it's both. It was both surprising. And it's one of the principles that mm -hmm. I've always sort of believed in was, was like, you should always tell a good story and you have to be good at telling a story. I think a lot of people try to tell stories and they're not as good about it, but they should like, and that the way to get better at that is, is look at how other people tell stories or like, you know, there's ways to get better at that just mm -hmm. like anything else. Yeah. What do you, uh, what are the next steps for Home and Closet? Like what's the, how does, how does Home and Closet grow? How did, what is, what does that look like? What does it look like for you? Like how does, how do you, foresee the future going or are you just gonna kind of do it like before where it's like let's see how this organically kind of does its thing like shapes again that's yeah and but, i think honest and i will say this like i honestly think that's like the most fun part about small business is that it doesn't have to stay the same you know, to be, so so recently we we and you guys know this, but we so we were we were at Prescott for two years. Um, our lease is up, and so we're gonna we're gonna go fully online. And so we a couple of reasons we did that. I started online, like I said, and um, I think that I can more effectively reach my customer on like online. But I need to put my resources into that and like mm -hmm. sort of all hands on deck on that. I think that uh, then you have limitless growth, to be honest, because you mm -hmm. can, I mean, you're not, you know, you're not on the south side of town or north side of town or east side of town mm -hmm. or west side of town. You're on, you're like everywhere. Um, but like anything else, you have to be adept at it. So, so we're definitely going to do that. We're definitely going to continue to grow that. And, uh, you know, we do make some of our own products, like we make bags and things like that. We do, I, I've designed a couple of pieces, couple of pieces of furniture. And so with that stuff, we can, I mean, I ship those all over the country, you know, hundreds mm -hmm. of them I've shipped. So the, the, I make a bench and, you know, people have seemed to have enjoyed that bench. So, I mean, we'll continue to grow and, uh, you know, it's all online. So instead of coming in the store, but a lot of our sales were online anyway mm -hmm. to, from the get-go. So like sort of always we maintained, you know, half, of, you know, not half, but like it was weird. At first it was like 90% online and then it's flipped and then it got like almost to where it was 90% in the store. Hmm. And then it, it kind of came back and now we're just hundred percent online again. So what, and, and when I found out, you know, when we moved, I was like, this is actually a good thing. Kind of reinvent, you know, mm -hmm. what you're doing. We always did kind of a brand re, um, oh, a rebrand every like couple years. I think every two years, that's a good idea. Hmm. Keep it fresh, keep customers interested in. Yeah. I think, like I said, I mean, I think that's the most interesting and the most fun part about having a small business is it it is a small business and it is kind of a part of you mm -hmm. and it is kind of who you are and you can kind of direct how that looks. Like it's not like Target where Target has to put out the same exact product every single yes. time to keep people expecting the same exact thing. Same thing with Starbucks. Starbucks has to keep putting out the same product. Same cup of coffee, yeah. Same cup of coffee or same else somebody's going to get spice mad. latte. <laughs> you know, but with a small business, yeah, we want to keep customers engaged. Yeah, we want to do that. But it's also 
that's a lot of times what people find interesting or unique or like fall in love with is kind of the personality behind it. And I think that's what Brooke and I really fell in love with was like just the personality of the store and of the things that are behind it. Because it's like, it's not a, we would go in there because we don't know, we wouldn't know what was going to be in there next. There is an anticipation or like a excitement around like, I wonder what Clint's going to come up with next. Or like, I wonder what, I wonder what uh, chair we could reupholster to make it Mm -hmm. cool or, you know, and that's, so I don't know where I'm going with this other than like, thank you for doing the stuff that you do. And like, thank you for like supporting small business and kind of creating something that like people want to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I try to practice what I preach. I mean, I've never bought anything on Amazon. And I can say that in my entire life, I've never purchased anything on Amazon. It's amazing. Like, I don't, but I didn't, to me, it's weird how many people, like, haven't done that. But, like, that's because I know, I I think it's a job killer. You know, I mean, I I really do. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I love small business. I love working with small businesses. I mean, you know, you kind of have seen, you know, we we work a ton with small businesses. Mm -hmm. And I'm always down to, you know to do, you know, anything small business related and promote that. Um, I think that, you know, the, and even the, so the employees I've had over the years, I mean, we've had a, quite a few employees and I'm always teaching entrepreneurship to them. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, so a lot of them are students or whatever. Um, and like, I'm like, okay, you guys, this is how you do it. And I really like sort of pull back the curtains for them to see, like, this is the whole operation, right? Like, yeah. It's not like you're just like shipping things or something, right? I'm like, these are the decisions I'm making and this is why I'm, I'm going to make this decision. Doing, yep. And what do you think about that decision? Yep. And, you know, and, and I've had really, I've been, you know, lucky to have worked with some really, you know, great people who had great ideas and great, you know, concepts that we implemented in the brand. And so that's been really cool too. But I, yeah, I love the interaction as well. Yep. I haven't really put myself at the front of it though. Like I was always kind of like a little camera shy. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know who I am. They don't know that I own it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's it's, kind of like, I mean, I I would agree with you, but that's also kind of like why it's exciting for me because I like I like finding out mm-hmm. things that maybe not everybody's going to know about a business. Got the inside line because I just like understanding. Uh-huh like small business i mm-hmm. under i like understanding what's going on behind the scenes because it's like that makes me fall more in love with the business pretty much always and it makes me want to support it even more yeah because it, because it's, it's like there's yeah there's like something extra to it mm-hmm. that isn't that i'm never gonna get from amazon no there's not <laughs> that, that connection right it's a yep. connection in a way yep i mean yeah and we've tried to encourage that you know and i and it's I'm fortunate in my industry that I can like get new products every day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like, that's kind of cool. Cause like, it's never the same, like it's never the same stuff. It's like you yep. said, it's always something I'm kind of excited. Like yep. what's going to be the next thing, you know? And I kind yep. of get a thrill off of that as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I just, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's definitely interactive. I love Lincoln small business community. Um, there's, there's so many great small, like, you know, businesses in town. And uh, it's been great over the years to get to know um, all the people who own and operate and work at those small businesses. And I mean, it's a special thing. We should treat it like it's a special thing because it, 
you know, the Amazon and all that's so efficient that it's just like hard to compete for small mm-hmm. businesses. So yeah. when it gets to be that way, it's like, you if, if we're not careful, we can lose that. Mm-hmm. You know? we lose that sense of community. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, and and, and, and connection with the, the people that we're buying things from. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a responsibility there too, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, with, you know, when you're buying from a small business, there's, you know, that person takes seriously what they do generally, and they're mm-hmm. going to make sure that you get what you need and that you don't have issues. Yep. You know, so it's, I, I think it's, I think it's, a, it's, it is a real loss. Plus all the jobs. I mean, small business employees, so many people, I mean, especially yep. in Lincoln, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of people that are employed in those shops and stores and. Yep. Any questions from you, Andy? I've just listened a lot and absorbed a ton. Uh, like, what do you, th- like, this is, I don't know if, like, you feel like sharing, but, like, what, like, for the future of Home and Closet, like, do you, like, are you wanting it to be, like, just you doing it? Or, like, do you have a team? Or, like, what's that looking like logistically? You know, I, it's, so, it, it, I definitely am always working with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of am the center of it, yeah. I mean, to be quite honest. Like, so, like, I make, I don't have any partners. Mm-hmm. It's just me. Um, but I've never managed, I've never run the business like it's just me. I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I, there's people I have get feedback from continually and I'm always trying to make it better. And I know that I'm not the expert on everything, which is, that's how it's, you kind of have to be good at everything when you run a small business, but you have yeah. to know that you're not the best at everything. And so you, you have to you gotta be, be good to, enough at everything. <laughs> you, well, true, but you also got to know the right people to ask. Yeah. You know, hopefully they don't ask you to pay them. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. that's really the that's the you know the, the thing, kicker, right? But so I mean, um, you know, you have to know where to seek knowledge, and like, wh- like you have to know. Okay, this is my skill set, and these are the things I'm going to do as a business owner. But then these other things, that's not my skill set. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be an accountant, man. I like hate doing accounting stuff. I love taking pictures. Mm-hmm. I love doing a lot of things, but I don't like I think we're all in the same boat here. Numbers? Yeah. Yeah, but some people love Maybe it. Maybe Kai likes it. Kai, do you like numbers? <laughs> oh, man. Kai's our I'm only like, one. Even computer stuff in a way. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I was, we're doing, we did the new website, and I did a lot of, I had my, my I have an interior design, uh, small interior design firm, and my partner in that, she helped me a ton, man, and I was like, you, I mean, like, I, I, like, messed with code for the first time. That yeah. was, like, a whole, exp- like, that's, like, just a bunch of squiggles on a page. And, like, you make one little thing and it doesn't work. Like, one little space or whatever. Yeah, I've I've been interested in it, but I've also been, like, I'm just going to stay away because I don't, I feel like if I go down the rabbit hole. I'd, yes, it's just, like, like it's, like, upholstery no return. or something. Right? <laughs> yes. It's, like, or, like, you know, it's it really is so... I think it's important as a business owner to like seek out people who have the knowledge, you know, of, of certain areas. Cause it's like everything. I mean, you're mm-hmm. really like, you know, it, whether it's the store displays or, you know, your online shop or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's all that yep. stuff. Yep. Anything else? Uh, I, I think I'm good. You good? Yeah. Just absorbed a lot for sure. Like, anything that I, I you, told you, I told you guys I had a lot to say. Anything, yeah. anything like, you'd want our audience to know about either you or home and closet or plat interiors or like moving forward like so we to, haven't changed. to either to either help 
what you're doing or encourage what you're doing or yeah well i guess i would like to say like we haven't changed we we have it's weird because i wasn't i never the idea that i own a brick and mortar never occurred to me and then i owned a brick and mortar Mm -hmm. for seven years yeah which is like a long time yeah i feel like that's a decent run in small absolutely so we're transitioning out of that but we haven't changed we're still a local company we still work with local people you know exclusively in fact there was nothing in my shop that was produced in china like, you know, I mean, we were all U.S. goods. It was all stuff that people were making locally. Like, yep. the vintage stuff was, like, predominantly U.S. I mean, you might get some, like, Danish stuff. And there might be occasionally, like, a Chinese piece in there or something. But, like, yeah. I mean, all that stuff was made right here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. And I never really, uh, you know, beat that drum. I mean, I did, but I didn't. I didn't yeah. really, like. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. Like, a lot of businesses like that's their number one thing yes. is like they hold on to that Made but i feel USA. like yeah. but i feel like you you took a i don't know not a humble approach to yeah, it yeah like a, a humble but also yet like a a smart approach to producing stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah i mean but so we're still that though mm-hmm. which is kind of cool like you can shop us online anything that you get in the store not as much clothing I mean, that is the one thing that was kind of difficult. And it's weird because I came up with that, but you can't do as much clothing because it's mm-hmm. like the, if, if it fits and it doesn't fit. And yeah. So right now we're kind of backing off of that a little bit, but we still do vintage bags. We still do all the furniture. Everything's free delivery. So I guess mm-hmm. I would just tell people we're, we're still the same company, even though we're online. We'll still do trade shows and stuff like we're doing like love the locals and like we'll get into some other stuff and probably more so. Yeah. Now that we're not brick and mortar. Yeah, but you don't you don't have the you're not like restricted to you don't have the overhead as much. Yeah, so you can make the make the events maybe more possible or something like that. Well, less definitely we don't have as much overhead, but also like because we don't have the storefront, we have to get out. We want to get out. We want to see you know, we want to see the people, our customers. You know what I mean? Yep. We want to like interact with them. What are you looking for? You know, what are you what yep. do you guys want? Because it's really about the customer. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, I can sit here and want to sell stuff all day and it doesn't matter if no one's <laughs> interested in buying it yep <laughs> yep that's the thing that's that's the thing that's always amazing to me about people who are creatives like we were talking with abigail irving about stuff and it's just like you kind of put out like your soul and you're like do you like it a lot of times yeah that's definitely a real thing and it's like I'm like, man, because to me, because for your ass on the curb, there you go. <laughs> like, hopefully they like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not, I mean, different kind of metaphor. But, same yes, thing, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I've like, I've like thought about that. I'm just like, because for, for what we do, it's like you're pursuing me to produce a product that you already know that you want. Yes. Whereas, whereas like people like you and people like, abigail and like artists and creatives it's like you're producing something that you you in theory love and you've put your heart and soul into and you're like do you want it do you like it yeah yeah (laughs) i've you know i've had a tough i have i i work with a lot of artists and they you know i don't i don't know if i am an artist or a creative i don't i've always i never think they're both like what's the difference well i I don't know if i'm either I don't know. See, people sort of. Are you kidding me? Nah, but I just. (laughs) I mean, I mean, like, I just take pictures of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really like I'm not. I mean, I do create some stuff. Yeah. But like with furniture, I mean, vast majority of it, I'm not creating. Yes, but you are. 
you probably put it's still your eye and you put like the your, miles and, behind and the, your thought into it for sure it's not like cookie cutter like you're not a machine like you are like putting your brain like i want this fabric on this i i frame for this reason because just because you think it looks cool but like that's that's what like creativity is is and that. i think like just the like the sheer amount of hours you've probably put behind a car just driving to look at furniture oh yeah it's definitely yeah i is, mean there probably is i is is like <laughs> i've had a discussion <laughs> i've had a discussion a couple times and i'm always like i don't know if because it'll be from people who are a real artist you know and i'm not i'm like i don't know if i'm a real artist like i think like i might be kind of but i but i do have that feeling when i put my product out there like mm -hmm. my products out there that like it is like and that's a tough thing with especially with social media judgment like internalizing it. like you have to yeah. not internalize it which is very difficult to do and also it kind of lets you down when you're like super stoked on something mm -hmm. i'm like this thing is dope and everybody's gonna love this and then not very many Nobody people like it. it and then you put something out and you're like this is stupid and then and everybody's like yes yes <laughs> yeah. so you never know i mean you know not everybody shares my you know uh aesthetic vision but it's you know which is what makes you unique you right i guess but i mean it's you know it's cool that is a thing though i mean i would love to i should listen to the one with her because like mm -hmm. that's interest artist it's tough because you really are and the more personal your art is mm -hmm. i assume the more pers easily it would be take that personally mm -hmm. yep you know yeah. i i because we had the discussion same discussion with her like artists are creative and i'm like i don't know if i am like an artist and she's like well you'd be put houses together i'm like well but i don't feel like that same like i'm putting it out there and hoping you love it because it's like you picked it out <laughs> like right, yes. like if you don't love it it's it's kind of your own fault but yeah i i'm i'm still guiding it's like the people. fine tuning and like yeah finesse that you've Done this yeah, I thing. think it just depends on how you break it down. But yeah. I, I definitely had that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just kind of. That's just a couch. I didn't make the couch. Like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. But so then, I mean, but then again, maybe I, I did a lot of like putting things. To, a lot of what I do is putting things together, right? Like showing mm -hmm. people how they would look in certain mm -hmm. situations. Yeah. Like, you know, that's a thing. I mean, I think yeah. interior design is definitely an art for sure. So what's give me the kind of the interior design side. So like we how did that how did that come about? So we um I my partner Eric and Dale and I got together and we formed a company and we it's called Plat Interiors. Um and we so we do interior design and staging and that was kind of a natural outgrowth as well. You kind of do when you own a business, you kind of like pivot a little bit, you know, and like we saw that as a really viable thing that we were, that I've been fascinated with my whole life and she's an interior designer. Mhm. Mm so we kind of that grew out of that and we're doing we do interior design we also do staging and we've done some event staging as well and it's just you know it's us putting things together so it's like living or working environments and i had a lot of people with commercial environments had purchased furniture for me mm -hmm. so that that kind of you know what i mean it was kind of like yep. well i can help you put it together yeah so and not not just a store where you go buy something but right. like let me help you maybe source some stuff and like put stuff together that's actually gonna look cohesive in mm -hmm. a space that was the original concept and then i partnered with an interior designer now we 100 percent do that yeah that's that. so that was it was kind of mm -hmm. neat to do a side gig too i mean it yeah. was like a fun and i mean there's it's 
I'm fascinated by it. Like I said, it all kind of ties together. Mm-hmm. Just like the I, overall like visual and like creativity into something. Yes, and it's it it there's components to interact and like I think a, a smart well I think business people should like look at where you know if I tilt a little, like if you do mm-hmm. I don't know whatever you know if you're gardening and you're like oh I could also do you know retaining walls you know mm-hmm. what I mean like. Yeah, and then you try it, and then you're like, I don't want to do retaining walls. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Those that's like me and concrete. That's like mm-hmm. me and concrete. Yeah, yeah like, that's right. No, nope, don't want to do that. <laughs> but you might try it and dabble in it for a second. Yeah. But with this, it's very much something that we we are very thought out and we put together, and it's it's a it's a great thing, and we're doing great, and it's really wonderful, and that's been a lot of fun. I, that's my first business partner. Yeah. I've never had that's a business rad. partner. That's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Because like before, it was just me calling yep. all the shots. Yep. But now it's not. It's 50-50. How's it feel? It feels, it's nice. It's good because you're both in it. Yeah. You don't, it's not as isolating. That's for sure. And I mean, well, and she's also very talented. So like that, I mean, that's huge, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. you know, much more talented than me in a lot of areas. And we have a lot of uh, symbiosis. Like there's a lot of things she's good at that I'm terrible at. And there's some things that I'm okay at that she might not be as strong at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thanks for having it. me, guys. This is, like I said, it's my first podcast, so. 